We are the ultimate bad review. Roll camera. Camera rolling. Roll sound. South speed. You look in the camera and Runa take, you're dead. Marcus! Action! You know Quentin Tarantino? I love his movies. I fucking hate Forrest Gump. There's nothing left for our kinds of movies. Take back the screen! The Directors Guild of America will bring down its swift sword of justice on you rank amateurs. The enormity of their stupidity is just overwhelming. Well, now we're actually recording. Now we're actually recording. Man, my... Everything is telling me that Letterboxd is not down. However, the fact remains that I literally can't get on Letterboxd right now. Like, on iPhone, it just... On my iPhone, it says, Error signing in, internal server error. Same. Yeah. Someone's hacking Letterboxd right now Somebody wants to know... Man, what, what, what information would you uh, hack off a letterbox? <laughs> like the reason <laughs> to send a message, Joey. To send it to the to the movie. What is lady. the message that we're trying to send here? <laughs> that Saltburn is a good movie. Damn straight, and I'm tired of pretending it's not. I'm tired of it. It is so <laughs> agitating. These fucking cringe letterbox zoomers X. Twitter people. Yes, these cringe <laughs> zoomers on Twitter. Holy fucking shit. Everything I hear them complain about, I'm like, that's not even in the movie. Like, I don't yeah. understand what you think happened in this movie. It's not there. And, well, so it, it came to Prime, and Prime has been, like, marketing the hell Pushing out it kind of crazy. Yeah, it's yeah, everywhere. Have. And I feel like it's a lot of people, and I saw this on Twitter, too, like, a lot of people's first crazy movie. And, sure. And, like, there's a lot, because yeah. it's pretty. It has Jacob Elordi in it, yeah, who's in true. Euphoria. So there's, it's drawing a lot of people. It's got a lot of buzz. People know it's kind of crazy, but it's very tame. I mean, compared to some of the movie, like poor things that came out this year, it's much more tame than that. But it does, it does have enough, enough bite. In sure, it yeah, it is. For it like, is. especially if it's like someone's first weird movie. Yeah, that would be a fun, a like fun the, first the weird movie. The bathtub scene, I think, gets everyone. Yeah, yeah of course, because it kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. You're kind of like, whoa, what the hell's going on right now? <laughs> yep. But shout out to Saltburn. It, it yeah. didn't make any of our top fives, but it. No, I don't think it did. I think it made your honorable mentions. Yeah, yeah like honorable mentions. It was, it was a great. Great, it's a good movie. Great Very time. Good movie. Yeah, if you if you haven't seen it, just it's check on it Prime. Out. It's on Prime yeah. now, so yeah, go check it out. My favorite was when Prime posted the shot of Barry Keegan in the bathtub, and then it with the caption "Boy Dinner?" Question <laughs> I mark. That. I was like, "Holy!" I lost shit. it when I saw that. I was <laughs> at work was when I saw that. It, that it that is such an abs- absurd tweet to do. I'm saying. And then Hideo Kojima posted that he was seeing that and the new Hunger Games, like, in the same day. And he had a very weird review for Hunger Games, and then never said a word about Saltburn. And he always reviews... Something. Yeah, he always does something about the movie. So I don't know what that means. I'm sure it's bad, but his review of Hunger Games was brutal. Where he was just like, I don't really know any... I, I've seen them, I don't know anything about them. I was specifically there for Hunter Schaefer. And I was like, hell yeah, man. That is absolutely yeah. the only reason I would go see that movie as well. Yeah, literally. And she's barely in it. She's yeah, such a I've, minor she's, character. She's a minor character, yep. She does well with the role she's given, but that it, it's not a lot. And then you get a lot of the Rachel Zegler, whatever her name is, and she's a lot. A lot of bad. A lot oh, of bad. Oh, shit. 
She is a plant. Kicking off. I swear, yeah. She's literally just there to just take these huge roles and for people to love her. I just, I don't believe it. I don't either. She's not a good actress. Like, I've not seen her in anything that I'm like, yo, that was amazing. You really brought brought the smoke. It's always like, you are reading lines. That is it. There's nothing there. You're yeah. kind of a soulless person. She definitely doesn't do anything crazy in any movie she's in. No, it's not very... at all. I think was her first like big role, West Side Story, or I was feel like she West Side Story was the big one. I she may have had something of... else before then, but I, I at least, I'm, I had never I'm heard of her. Pretty West Side sure. Story. Well, this is why I'm specifically going after her is because of her filmography. It's so, <laughs> it's so small. Yeah, but it's oh, so yeah, it big. She's, she's been in three movies: West Side Story, Shazam. And The Hunger Games. That's a trilogy of bullshit if I ever heard one. Yeah, how the hell did you do that? Like, Which is fine. I mean, it, it, that's just what it is, but... Okay. Oh, and she's also going to be Snow White. Yeah, she is going to be Snow White. God, I, do, I did know about that. Suck. Of course it is. Disney's, live a- Disney's new live-action reboots are, are terrible. Or really, Disney's new anything has been kind fucking of awful. Subpar. Yeah, it's very sad. This it's, is the first year since like, 2015 that they were not the number one like film studio. Oh wow! The Universal took it. Really? But they had like Oppenheimer, and they had that makes sense. They had. Um, I would have thought like Warner Brothers. I don't know if they had Barbie. Because I thought Warner Brothers had Barbie. I'm about to say Warner, Warner Brothers, Brothers. I'm pretty sure had Barbie. Barbie, but then they also, but Universal had Super Mario Brothers. Oh yeah, which made a billion dollars. Yeah, so they two billion had movie. two billion dollar movies this year. Yeah. So they're they're doing great. Um, Disney had Wish. <laughs> so, oh my god, I forgot it. about that. I don't think anybody has seen it. I, like, <laughs> I've seen some clips real. of it, and I'm like, I can't believe that that was released. And some people are are even claiming, I mean, obviously, shocker, that it's written by AI. Oh, I believe it. I I but, definitely see it in like these like bigger, well, not bigger, but like movies like uh, from bigger studios now that are just trying to like push the slop as fast as possible. Where it's like, this didn't feel like a human being wrote this it, script, right? Like, there's been a couple movies we've watched like that, and I'm like, no person would have put pen to paper and said this. I don't think I can go on... I don't think I could really say that I've experienced a movie that I think was written by AI, but I am waiting to see when the studios are going to try and implement it. Because I think it will be implemented sooner or later, but will it be implemented as a gimmick or as a real thing first do you know do you know what i'm saying it's like like are they gonna bring in pta to direct a screenplay written by an ai first pta i don't think would ever do that but but do you you know what i'm saying michael bay whatever make it for sure make it look like a real life thing a real person to this but it's like kind of like half computer and then they're eventually just going to keep on cutting things i I don't know if they can cut the 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 director technically man bojack horseman called this so long yeah. ago easily but yeah for sure but like when are they when are they, yeah. they going to start implementing it I'm, I'm i'm just curious if and, if they have and already. i think the strike um that I, from what i can from what i've heard it, there is some room for ai like they the sure. the deal wasn't to cut it all out to cut it all out and um like apparently the deal isn't as great as they wanted um, especially on the AI part of it. So yeah, it's definitely coming. I'm, I have, there's like a part of me that believes that AI will never be good enough for us to, to enjoy it. Like it's not good. Like even now you can tell when a movie is just, just straight bullshit. Yeah. And when it's actually good and well-written and that matters. And I think the audience is going to tell 
you know, don't give us, you know, bullshit like Disney's been giving us for. I mean, the numbers years. are the numbers are there. Like the yeah. audiences are clearly seeing it and are like, no, this is not even kind yeah. of a thing that I want yeah. to spend my money on. It's not even worth recommending like word of mouth. Yeah, because yeah. like it's just not selling tickets. I mean, and like. Barbie, even though I, I didn't love the movie, it still was very original, and it was, you know, it targeted an audience that obviously loved it, and I think that's because of Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach's great writing skills. Yeah. and Not a second of AI. Not There's a no second of AI. Movie. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it, like, changed a generation. I think that movie's going to be remembered for a while. Uh, Agreed. And that's because better. of the, the writing. And, I mean, the studios will definitely try to cut cost and try to make more money but i think my hope at least my hope my hope in humanity at least is that they'll fail right <laughs> and that we'll be able to tell the difference i'm scared that i won't and i'm like man that movie was so good it comes out it's written by ai and you're like whoa what? yeah and then just like I, I it'll change my whole view of movies i'll probably it have will. to take a, a minute yeah i i don't i don't know what i'll do after that but we'll see i'm just waiting for that for, for that day, if it if it will come, yeah. You're I, for that first AI movie to just sit hit theaters and sit in, sit in the theater and be like, oh my god, they did it. Yeah, yeah. they really <laughs> yeah, did just it. Just like that. Yep, yep. And I honestly to to bring up kind of a movie which which I I want to shed light on um, more because this wasn't brought up in our movies of 2023 list, but it did make the list. It did make the cut. Yeah. Poor things. Oh, because yeah. a lot mm-hmm. of those background images, to me, came across as AI. But I'm not saying that in a mean-spirited way. I'm no, just saying that yeah. in, in the sense of, I don't know, AI but they just were looks sets. so weird. I don't think the. I think they a lot of sets. it was set. Cool. Yeah. I, so, I agree that like it you looks you so dev- you definitely could type it in one of those AI image generators, and you'll get an image that looks kind of like that. Especially, if, like you, you could type in Yorgos Lanthimos Lisbon. Or Paris, and you're and you're gonna probably get that before that movie came out. Like that right. is uh, the image, but I you can kind of tell the practical effects in there a little bit better. But it does; it's so abstract, and that it you don't quite know what's real. But I saw a video about how everything was actually practical, and the sets Sick. were amazing for the most part. At least I'm sure there were some CGI moments. Oh, in right, of course, yeah. The staircase that leads down to, to the the poor slum. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. God, what a good movie. What is like I I definitely like moved that right into my top five. Like oh, the yeah. second we left that theater. Yeah, it it may it might be top or second for me of twenty twenty. Oh yeah. If dude. Letterbox would fucking work, I'd tell you exactly yeah. where it was on my list. Man, but fuck and, your and I did the smart thing. So I so I think I've talked about it. I watched most of Yorgos Lanthimos movies. Yeah. Like, at least such a like, good idea. Like I at least rewatched him or I watched him, but the, the one I hadn't watched was the favorite. And so the night before I went to go see it, I watched the favorite. And I was just reminded how like amazing that movie and I think it was the perfect movie to watch right before Poor Things because I was just reminded how good uh emma stone is and how crazy yeah. and how well she acts in that movie um but i i just knew that solidified oh this movie is going to fuck you up a little bit that he's lying to you um yeah that it that movie is so good in on something i think it's its best after especially after watching them he's a director that's only gotten better from for Dog sure Tooth. 
I would say like lobster is still my favorite Yorgos, but that that just holds like a weird yeah. sentimental like place in my heart. But this was like like from an objective standpoint, this is this is like the magnum opus. This is like yeah. the holy shit he did it. The man can cook. Like it was such a such a jarring experience because we we saw it in Charlottesville, yeah, and it was like it was so worth it. It was like eleven thirty in the morning. Yeah, we had like fame actually. We had like eleven thirty a.m. We had like the like the, these middle aged women like towards the front who yep. laughed throughout the whole. Oh, I movie. love that. Yep. They were having the time of their life, and then you had a guy in front of us who left probably Half with like an hour left in that movie. Yeah. He just dipped. We we had two sets of a uh, father and daughter. It kind of felt that way, like older man and younger girl. And I, I kept looking at them because I, I did not know how they. I because I couldn't watch that with my parents. No, and no I couldn't way. watch that with my child. Like, yeah, no, there's like, no way. And I I feel like they didn't know what they were getting into. I feel like right. a lot of people didn't know what they were getting into because a trailer makes it look like a fun time. But if you if you were smart, you will always look up like, hey, I've never heard of this director. <laughs> What's he done? Yeah. Oh, he's done a lot of fuck shit. Maybe I don't take yeah, my child to see this. Maybe we see this separately and talk about it over a holiday sometime. Right. I, I will say the favorite did the same thing. Like it, you really thought this was a period piece that, like, it was about you know, like like a Pride and Prejudice style yeah. movie. But it gets very head fucky. Yeah, very dark. I need to rewatch it because the first yeah. time I, I hated it the first time I watched it. But I, I did like I watched The Lobster and then. Killing of a Sacred Deer, and then jumped right into the favorite. And I was like, "Dude, what is this?" Like, yeah. I, I, I was expecting something as hype as oh, Killing man. of a Sacred Deer, and it just it didn't it didn't hit the way I wanted it to. But I've been told multiple times, like it's Olivia it's really Coleman. Good. I think it's her best role, and I'm in love with Olivia Coleman, as we know. <laughs> so I, I do need to give her a second chance. But I have a theory that movie, though, I feel like you might not like it because Olivia Coleman is the grossest. That's part true. Of that movie. What? Okay. That you. She's like you constantly don't. You aren't in love with throughout her. the movie. There's a whole scene where she just wails. Yeah. For like five minutes straight, and it's so loud and obnoxious, and like you're like, I want this to end, and not in like a fun way, and like a yeah, man, this like, feels like it isn't benefiting the movie kind of way. Uh, I I don't want to spoil anything, but I think that ending. And I mean, I, I don't know if I can actually say this, but I think the ending is definitely one of my favorite Yorgos endings in the favorite. Um, really? Yeah. It's. I I was just reminded. I forgot what the ending was like, and there it's it's so well done, and it made me so excited to watch the uh, poor things. But that being said, I think Emma Stone. She is like solidified as one of these great actors. She she's giving she's absolutely giving Margot Robbie a run for her money at that Oscar race now. Like that was for sure. That I was mean, incredible. I, she, her role is just too like I don't even know what the word is. Almost like, identical. <laughs> yes, but like it's it's too dangerous. Like you're not gonna give. I I don't know. I hope so. My my pick is definitely Emma Stone. But I mean Barbie like. That we went to the theaters when Barbie came out. Yeah, everyone was dressed in pink. That movie That's was true. like a, a it was phenomenon. A, it was, a moment. It, was yeah. it was for sure a moment in history. But do you guys for real think that Poor Things is going to get nominated for a lot of things? At, yes, like, I think like Best in, Picture in the Academy for real. For real. Oh yeah, I mean, I th- it, the favorite was nominated. I don't think the favorite won. I think Olivia no, Coleman won, won something. I think Olivia Coleman won Best Actress though. I think that Yorgos is, is becoming a household name because he's becoming easier to kind of like work with like for, for a bigger audience. As disturbing as Poor Things was, I think that anybody that likes, that just generally likes movies can 
go into poor things and have a good time. Yeah. There's some shocking stuff, but like this the the fun stuff and like the 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 the, the triumph of the human spirit, human odyssey as we kept calling it. Like that outweighs like the holy shit that was shocking moments of oh, yeah. of the movie. And I really agree. for me, I think the most shocking stuff was just like when her and Mark Ruffalo would just start having sex and it would just like come out of nowhere and you'd be like, holy shit. And it was like way more graphic than like I thought that it was going to be. Not in like a bad way, but I was just like, whoa. Holy also, yeah. the brothel yeah, scenes more... were definitely a little but shocking, they were con- but they're okay. funny at some point. There was one, yes, yeah, that I was yeah. like, holy <laughs> shit, how, how, what, why am I watching this? Why is this in the movie? But like, yeah. As a whole, that's the other thing. You had this 50% of the brothel scenes, you're like, that was fucking weird. And 50% of them, you're like, that was so funny. Like, that was just a goofy, fun time. That's all of Yorgos, though. Yeah. I yeah. feel like it's like, that was really fucking weird, but that was also really funny. So, I mean, he, he plays that weird line. Yeah, I, he's definitely, like, Dogtooth, one of his first movies. That movie <laughs> is just only fucked up. And it's just it, it, true. Yeah, it's there's no fun moment in that movie whatsoever. I do like that he's kind of moved away from that. Uh, that he has kind of tamed it a little bit. And and Dogtooth, as like shocking as it is, uh, it still is like a great movie. But like poor things, I feel like it can do more because it's not as messed up. It is something you can take in, you can enjoy, and it yeah. and it has a message that, like, means something. Where I think that was, you know, Barbie was saying things that are in plenty of movies that, that we love, um, Just not but as... it's more palatable. Right, yeah. You know, it's, it's something people are going to, people, little girls have been playing with Barbie since, you know, ages. Yep. And so it's something everyone can connect with. Poor things, you know, it's, it's a little harder to digest. Where's the Bella Baxter Barbie doll? Right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Next to the Willem Dafoe Ken doll. Yeah. <laughs> Willem Dafoe God doll. With the, the, the bag that comes with it as an accessory. Yeah. Blows bubbles. Blows bubbles, yeah. Uh, and apparently both Emma Stone and Willem Dafoe are in another Yorgos Lanthimos With movie. Jesse Plemons, right? Oh, I did not know that. That sounds awesome. But it's already, I think it's already been, it's finished. What? Already? Yeah, yeah wow. they, they've already completed it. I, I listened to an interview with Emma Stone recently where she said that. I, I It's probably not done editing, but I think at least her parts are done shooting. Um, So, th- maybe we get another Yorgos movie Very soon. Very soon. I think it's called And. I think they changed it. Because oh, I think it was did. And, and then they changed like Kind of Kindness or something like oh, that. Oh, wow. Some, which I'm like, that seems like a, a humongous Fall from Grace title, but all right. <laughs> yeah. Kind of kindness, yeah. I I don't know. I'm excited. I mean, this is a guy. I so far. I have a hard time with fucked up movies. Obviously, that's the theme of this show. Is you know how hard it is for me to watch movies like this. But I think Yorgos does it in such a way that makes like his movies are just so enjoyable because of the way he can direct and write. And um, I think he partners with a lot of brilliant people too that really help. Like, Poor Things is based on a book. I, I didn't know that. Is it? I didn't yeah. know that either. Um, and it's like like a fairy tale, like children's book almost. Not children's book, but like, because um, I don't know what child, but... The, they, <laughs> Short story, I guess. They, um, Emma Stone heard about this, that, that Yorgos was trying to get the rights to this book on The Favorite. And um, immediately was like, I need to play Bella Baxter to him on the favorite so like she basically there got the role um 
Uh, and that's uh, Emma, crazy. Emma Stone's an actress that's you know she does an audition. I feel like at this point. Uh, yeah, at this point, she's no. too big of an actress. But yeah, that's exciting. I I I think you know he's working with brilliant people with with you know he's he's got great source material. I'm I think, excited. I I I'm literally excited to see what his next steps are. I think that Poor Things was easily one of the best movies of 2023. Easy, e- yeah, easily. I mean everything, everything you guys have even been sharing about it. You know, it being it being a practical set that just makes yeah. me love it even more. And yeah. I mean, I think that at the beginning of 2023, I was worried, but by the end, 2023 ended up shaping to be a really fun year for movies. And I think that this year is looking, you know, the same. It's looking, yeah. ju- it's looking just as fun. It has some heavy hitters already lined up, and I'm sure we don't even know the the slew of movies that's going to come out October. Yeah, we November, could be having December a great again. year. Yeah, especially because yeah. last year there were so many movies that got pushed back. Yeah. I mean, last year there was a whole point where there was just bad movies coming out, and I feel like hopefully during that don't strike, get... man, it was yeah. it was rough in the streets. Well, yeah, I mean, we this been year Dune Two by now, but it's fine. This year we might be getting a big drop. If that makes yeah. sense, a huge drop of movies. We'll see. Just because of like the strike that happened last year, um, I'm kind of hoping, pulling for that, but. I mean, yeah, Dune 2 is happening. I'm excited for that. Letterboxd has acknowledged that their site is down, and they say we are on it. God only knows when it'll come back. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, di- I'm disappointed. I'm devastated. We're I, you, you may not get the, the review or the um, synopsis. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah, damn. Shit. <laughs> we got to pull it up on IMDb, gonna maybe. Be, we're going to do this the old-fashioned way. IMDb summary coming in. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, what a great way to kick off 2024. <laughs> Welcome to the yeah. Shot in the Chaser podcast. The technical problems. A technical problem that is not our fault this time. Yeah. Hey, I mean, Letterboxd is usually pretty good, too. Very true, honestly. This is all. This is going to be a fun episode, because this is kind of where we get like everything. Like, hey, what you been watching? I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I, so we got to go back to our memory. One thing. I've only, and, and, and that's why I kind of brought it up to begin with. And that was poor things, and we and we all kind of chimed in on that. There's other things you watched, bud. Yeah, like no. uh, the Iron, Iron Claw. Claw. Oh my god, I forgot <laughs> we didn't record last week. I keep forgetting. No, yeah, we there's probably more than that minute. too. Like, what did you watch Christmas? That's it. Where you didn't did watch you anything watch? for two weeks. Jim Carrey. Jim yeah. Carrey's The Grinch again. I saw that. That's absurd. But yeah. I, I can't believe I can't, you did it. Even family, if I loved that movie, I could. I'd be like, oh, absolutely not. Yeah. Under no circumstance, can I watch another piece of? Yeah, like family I wanted to watch it. They let me. They let me choose the movie. They're and like, you, you chose the Grinch. Out of, out I thought of, they chose the Grinch. Out of the selection that I had. If there was any I didn't, I didn't the other movie of, than The Grinch, I'm, I'm trying to appease everyone in the I get house it. as well. And you do no, love that for Jim yourself Carrey and no movie. one else. Yeah. <laughs> I would have chose something I'd never seen. Maybe like It's a Wonderful Life, but my great movie. Yeah, that's but, a great movie. But like you my should. stepbrother was there, and he doesn't like movies like that. I knew I knew he would. He probably would have dipped. He probably yeah. would be like, I'm out. Yo, that's on him. That's his, that's on him. One hundo <laughs> p that is his own gosh dang it's fault. True. Then yeah. maybe I should have chose that. You should have, could have, would have chosen that because that's a great movie. And he may not have dipped because that movie is good. That movie, so, well, okay, I don't know. Might so, have gotten locked in. Over my Christmas with Molly's parents, we went over to her cousin's at one point and we did like our own little gift exchange. And her cousin Mark. I got over there and they were watching It's a Wonderful Life and he was like not having it. And I don't know if it was like a bit because he does a lot of bits and they're all like great. But he he genuinely felt like he was like not enjoying this movie. 
He was just like, this girl is not down bad. This girl is not bad. Not bad in any way, shape, or form. Like, going off about, like, look at this guy. Look at this stupid suit he's wearing. Who would wear this? He looks ridiculous. The streets look insane out here. Like, yeah. it, was, it was shit like that. I'm like, I don't know if you're making fun of it to be funny. Or, <laughs> right. Or if, it's, if you're doing it to be funny, amazing. If you're actually dogging this movie, I'm going to come at you. Yeah, yeah right. right. It's good. Me. The, the one thing you might hate about it is that you've probably watched the exact same premise on something else that stole it from It's a Wonderful Life. Because it is one of those classics that started it, yeah. basically. It's kind of crazy. It's considered a, It was considered a commercial flop. The year oh, that, like, wow. when it first came out. That. And for, like, a decade, like, it was, like, a know-nothing movie. And then, like, it just sort of picked up traction, I think, like, when it hit, like, syndication or something like that. It's now, a that weird thing. weird. Just like tonight's movie. A movie that is so poorly reviewed on the internet. And I'm, I'm here. I am the last bastion of hope. I will defend <laughs> this movie with my life. For tonight's shot, this is not the movie I'll defend with my life because it really doesn't need defending. No, it's yeah, already... Everyone it's, loves it. It's got its praises. For our shot, we have David Lynch's Blue Velvet. <laughs> not a soundboard, but all right. Yeah, and then right, no. for our chaser, we have Black Christmas's Bob Clark, the one and only, doing Rhinestone, starring Dolly Parton and Sylvester Stallone. Secret favorite movie now. We'll watch it anytime I get sick. I look forward to getting sick so I can watch this movie again. Oh, yeah. oh, McDonald at a farm. E-I-E-I-O. Dude, so <laughs> his, his singing is insane in that movie. I'm Nick. I'm Matt. And I'm Joey. Hell yeah, welcome to 2024. More unhinged, more fucking crazy. Well, since we don't have Letterboxd, let's do our best. What have we been watching? Well, we already noted it. Poor things. That was the main thing I wanted just to notate. Um, of course, if you haven't seen it, please see it. Easy top five of 2023. If you can see it. It's my number four can. right now. Um, another top of, of, of 2023, Iron Claw. Okay? Yes. If you Still have see not it. seen Iron Claw... Nick, you have. Nick. I have had it. no time. I Where know, do you think I have okay. time? It's yeah, okay. We'll have to find it on on a redacted maybe. But um, I'd be happy with that up there on the theater screen down here. I just want to see it. <laughs> it's it's worth it. Um, it's definitely gonna get some nominations. You'll probably I have to watch it for that's the what Oscar I've, that's movies. What I'm hearing. You think so? Yeah. Oh yeah, I think so. I think at least a nomination. I don't know if it'll it'll win anything, but I think it deserves some nomination, and it's getting a lot of love. I'm seeing a lot of like Zac Efron nomination. Like, oh yeah, I think chit chat. I think I think it'll happen. It it might be like the not a pity nomination, but like those nominations where you're like, all right, there's no way you're getting it, but you're here, and to be here is is winning enough. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, for Zac Efron to have an Oscar nomination. Would be huge for us High School Musical fans. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you guys need more wins. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. This would be good though. This would be no, good for he him. Does, this he is deserves a great that. movie. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't I know if he deserves, he deserves to win, but I, he definitely deserves to be nominated. Right. He's definitely one of the top five actors this year. I'm excited to to finally check it out and be either with you or against you at some point. <laughs> it's got a great soundtrack. It's got great shots. Yeah, I think I think it was a great time in theaters. And it, it's it's a surprising movie because you think it's a uh, I thought it was a wrestling movie and it kind of is, but it really isn't. So I think that it's right, it's like a it lot focus more focus on them as wrestlers. Kind of, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, it's definitely such a good. It's shocking how good it was to me. Uh, but I don't want to overhype it either. <laughs> I mean, like, I have seen is, nothing negative about this movie. Yeah, I so know. I do. it's gonna be hard. Yeah. Um, you just need to get out there and see it. It's great. Yeah. Um, what was another thing? Um, I think that that is it. I didn't watch any classics or anything this week, so. What'd you get for Christmas? 
I got a hammer box. Oh. <laughs> nice, a dude. Hammer Perfect. Box set. Yeah. So it was a to fix your window. Movies. To fix uh, th- that. Yeah, well, I, did, I thought you were talking about an actual hammer. Yeah, I mean, you did say I got a hammer. I got a mop. So I mean, it could have. <laughs> it would have made sense. Hammer film box set. Oh, Hammers. I don't know what like, that is. Ha- hammer Films. Um, it's a it's an English production company, oh. and they like they they made a lot of horror movies. So uh, like all the classic wanted... horror movies are on that in that oh, box set. I've yeah. never. Um, cool. Not as many as what I was expecting. I would, I wanted more monster movies, but that's okay. Like we're in it for for yeah. the win, and you know it's, a lot of the movies are. Hopefully, like, they're good. Yeah, I mean a lot of them sound great. I looked them all up on Letterbox. They oh, all nice. they all sound cool. So. Nice. Yeah, a couple of masterpieces, mostly average. Maybe I'll love them, though, you know, movies, so. Yeah. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Of nice. course, Oppenheimer. Yeah, hey. <laughs> I'm excited. Hey. Still, I need to watch the special features. What have you been watching, Joey? So, but, I mean, Iron Claw, I don't know if it's top five, but it is it is at least top ten, Um, I would say. Solid movie. Um. But movie-wise, I honestly I can't remember. But I will say there's a TV Damn show I've watch. been watching that I think needs mentioning. Succession. I, no, yeah, right. I wish. Uh, my, my timeline has been like a lot of Shiv Roy content recently. And I don't know what. I've never watched the <laughs> show. But every single time Shiv Roy pops up on my Twitter, I'm like, well, maybe I could start watching this show. Oh, man. Dude, it, she's so good. Um, but, uh, no, it's a show called The Curse. I've talked about it. Yeah. Here. I, I'm caught up. And um, I don't know if I like the show, I, I, but I, I am saying <laughs> that it's one of the most... Just, just going back to Emma Stone, she is an incredible actress. She can do literally anything. The show proves that more. Um, I don't know if I've ever been more uncomfortable watching a show, but I now I need to finish it. Um, Nathan Fielder is wild, and so is Benny Safdie. <laughs> Not Nathan Fielder. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Uh, but... I'd recommend it if you, you know, want to watch it. It's definitely, if you like Nathan Fielder, it's different and it's really uncomfortable. But hopefully it ends well. That's that's my whole hope here, um, that I can get through it. Make it through. Make it through because I've watched a lot of that show and they're all like an hour-long episode. and So is it like... unbearable. Is it like the... <laughs> What is it called? The recital? Rehearsal? No, Rehearsal. no. It's like it. It's it's a narrative. Total. Yeah, it's narrative uh, fiction, but it is based on a, a thing that happened to Nathan Fielder, and he told Benny Safdie about it, and then they wrote a show about it, <laughs> apparently, and then Nathan Fielder is friends with Emma Stone, which is totally crazy. <laughs> I don't know how that friendship works out. I don't know if I want to be in that friendship part of that, like. Uh, but I'm I'm happy for them. Uh, hopefully, uh, I can make it through it. But yeah, it's some of the most uncomfortable television I've ever had to watch. Damn, uh, that's saying something. Yeah, like he he definitely like he it's he's usually funny. That you're not laughing during this show, so take that as you will. It, 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 but I keep coming back to it. Right. All yeah. right, I'm yeah. gonna check it out. Yeah, I yeah. definitely need to check it out because I mean, it sounds it sounds great. It sounds yeah. it sounds up my alley. I think so. you guys would actually like it a lot, and it's it's just like they're an HGTV couple, and they're building houses in I forget Arizona, I think something like somewhere where it's really hot, and it's and then it's also not really about that at all at the same time. <laughs> so also interesting. Yeah, sweet. That's what I've been watching. 
All right. What about you, Nick? All right. I had to find it because I want to. I want to make a note. I did hit my two hundred movies by the end of the nice. year. Nice. I cheated, but I did. I did it. I counted the last ten movie. The twelfth. The last twelve movies I watched were short films, oh. but they were on Letterboxd. <laughs> they were. They, they, count. they count. They count. So I hit my two hundred that if, way. If it's on Letterboxd, it counts. Let me explain counts. though, because I I actually took screenshots. Luckily, somehow my brain knew that Letterboxd was gonna butt fuck me the night that we were fucking recording. But I took some pictures of a couple movies that I watched this this week. Um, let's start with let's start with the the good, the bad, and the that was pretty great. Uh, so. I don't even know how to call this good. I watched the new Chicken Run movie, Dawn of the oh. Nugget, and I was like, I went into it with like this mindset of like, no matter how bad this is, I don't care because it's claymation. I'm gonna appreciate the animation. It's gonna be a good time. And I was just so wrong. Like, it was, oh no! It's the animation is is like fine. What makes Wallace and Gromit like claymation is that it's like kind of bleak, dark colors, yeah. and this is so fucking bright and oh. colorful. Like it almost hurts your eyes. And Bella Ramsey plays, like, the main girl, or, like, the lead girl named Molly. Oh, the girl from Last of Us? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, which was also just, like, this is weird. This is, and all of the original cast, like, returns, except for Mel Gibson. So, that's the only different person. So, it's, like, this is jarring and weird, but, <laughs> all right. And it just made me hungry for chicken, which I knew, like, was the opposite of what this movie's trying to tempt me to yeah, do. Yeah, I was, no. like, I could, fu- I ordered Popeyes the minute that movie ended. <laughs> um, yeah, because the first movie, you you don't really want to eat chicken. No, you're that. like, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, you're like, oh, you it's a bad. chicken pot pie. What yeah. a horrible hellscape. You can't hellscape. even, like, look at a chicken. Because it, it, they look like they're living in Nazi internment yeah. camps. Like, just getting, like, beheaded in front of all their friends and family. And then eaten. Like, it's yeah. it's crazy. Um, so I, I I finished that. Then the, the bad, the bad movie. I watched Good Burger 2. Oh no. Dude, nothing can prepare you for how bad Good Burger 2 is. Oh boy. Let's start off with the fact that in the I've first five minutes, clips. Pete Davidson is just there. What? Pete Davidson's there. Why? Why not, right? He's only there for a couple minutes. Well, I guess he is like on SNL. He's got that connection with Keenan. But it was just like, dude, no one needs this. No. Young Gravy is in it at one point, <laughs> which I was like, is. I don't care about this. Um, Carmen Electra makes a cameo appearance who. Who definitely aged, but I, not enough, I think. Um, and then it was just like a lot of like hokey bits and jokes. And I'm like, I'm not expecting anything big. It's Good Burger, but like yeah. all of the, the the meta bits outweigh like the genuine like let's let's do let's roll with this yeah. kind of bits. There's a whole scene where um, it's because the whole plot of the movie is that someone's trying to buy Good Burger and franchise it. Um, and they eventually are like, yeah, sure, we'll do it. And they're like, ha, psych, we're actually the bad guys from the first movie. And now we're shutting down Good Burger. And they're like, how do we get Good Burger back? And um, Kel fantasizes about doing one of those... Um, remember the Imagine video that all the celebrities did at the beginning of COVID? Imagine. Um, oh. Yeah, where all the celebrities sang Imagine, yeah. John Lennon's Imagine. Oh. He imagined something like that. They don't. They just sing a song about that's literally like called like "Please Bring Good Burger Back," and it's a bunch of celebrities that like you. <laughs> it's like celebrities that you don't care about. Like Andy Samberg is there, Maya Rudolph is there. Like I love Maya so Rudolph. SNL yeah, it's like people that like have either like been cast members of SNL or have guest starred on SNL. 
It was rough. And that's how they get Good Burger back? No, that was just an idea he had. They get uh, Good Burger back in some other stupid, dumb, asinine uh, way. It's it's just, like, really bad. Uh, that you are barreling over no, it. It's, it's just, not even that funny. It's because, it's, it's because of how you, you, you delivered it. It was just so good. Sorry. Um, and then I was like, I need something. I need to, like, I need something to, like out the something to like counterbalance this fucking awful like combo that i just put together here and i had downloaded this movie and put it on redacted a couple months ago called josie and the tiger uh josie the tiger and the fish okay and it was a i had never i knew nothing about this movie it popped up on an on my anime app at one point it was just like hey you like things that make you miserable you should check this out and the cover is like a guy walking next to a girl in a wheelchair. I was like, this is going to be fucking sad. Let's watch this. Yep. And it was fucking sad. <laughs> it, was, oh, it was good. It scratched the itch that I needed yeah. That I needed scratched at that moment. So I high praise on Josie the Tiger and the Fish. Um, and that then, yeah, insane. It's, it, was, it was silly. It was like watching an episode of Dawson's Creek. But it just hit that specific <laughs> yeah. nerve that I was like, sometimes you need that. Yes. Exactly. She wants to swim. He's starting to be a marine biologist. She's in a wheelchair. <laughs> wow, match made in heaven. Match made in fucking heaven. And then the crazy twist is halfway through the movie, he gets hit by a car. <laughs> and then he's like, he can't walk for a while. <laughs> and you're just like, fuck, why is this happening to these people? better teacher than someone in a wheelchair then. <laughs> Oh my god. It's really good though. It's yeah, it is on redacted. Say. I highly recommend checking it out. It was like a tight 90, good movie, good crier. Um and then yeah, I watched a couple shorts. Um I went and just looked up random like directors that I loved and was like, I'm going to watch just a handful of shorts just to pad this cuz I had hit a point after Josie the Tiger and the Fish where I was like, I cannot watch another full-length movie. Like I'm I'm beat. Dude, yeah. I got there too. It was so exhausting. Yeah, Good like, Burger took me took it out of me, honestly. <laughs> yeah, like the whole week after Christmas, basically, I, I did not watch many movies at all. Yeah, I just couldn't. The movies we watched last night were literally the first time I watched a movie this year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, me January. Yeah, in January, yeah, Rhinestone was my first movie. Yep. Same baby. So I watched Blue Velvet right after you guys yeah. left. I've it's logged a good first three. movie. I've logged three. It's, it's nice. technically the third day of the month, so I've watched one Pacing movie every day. Yeah, yeah. Dude. Damn, this guy's going crazy. Right now. Did you watch the straight story today? No, Same. unfortunately not. I, I got way I, too busy. I couldn't fit it in. Yeah. Wait, that's David Lynch's uh, Disney movie, right? Yeah. Well, it's the only for me how I've remembered it is it's the last David Lynch movie that I need to watch. I've seen yeah. everything else, so Same. it's crazy you haven't seen it. I bet isn't it on Disney Plus too? Yeah. I have access to it. I yeah. just don't watch it. Honestly, because it's like a normal I'm, ass movie. Like it's yeah. if I'm if I'm awake enough when I get home, I might just throw it on and just be like, "Hey, no, let's just watch an hour of this." That's how that's how I'll start off, kick off my birthday midnight, just watching the straight story. Nice. <laughs> God, but um, so yeah, I watched I watched um I watched two shorts by Yorgos Lanthimos, um, one called um, Nimic, which had Matt Dillon in it. That was really good. It's on YouTube. Ooh. High recommendation. Yeah, cool. Another one called Necktie. It was like two minutes, and it was like a, a 15-year-old short that he did, and it was it was fine. Um, I watched a couple Jim Cummings shorts. I watched one Harmony Kareen short, and then I watched a bunch of Gaspar Noé shorts, which were not great. I was honestly really bummed. I was like, this is like my favorite director, and every short that I just watched was so fucking mid. <laughs> um, but then I, I, I ended it with... Um, 
watching my first uh, Werner Herzog movie. Um, I can't remember the title because um, my letterbox is fucking down. <laughs> um, but it was it was this this documentary also on um, YouTube um, about an island that had a volcano on it that was set to erupt. Um, and a fire with it. No, La, it's like La Soufrière, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, but yeah, he goes to this island where an, a volcano is about to erupt, and they've uh, they've evacuated the whole entire island, and him and his friends are the only people there. And so it's just them filming this ghost island while he narrates over it in that Werner Herzog voice where he's like, nature had taken over, the animals had, re- had regained the supremacy over the streets... We saw many, many starved animals who were not prepared for the for life again. At one point, we were filming, and snakes came floating down the mountain <laughs> and immediately ran into the ocean and drowned. But halfway through, he's, like, climbing up this volcano, and he just meets a guy. There's just a guy up yeah, there? Yeah, and he's, like, he's asleep on a log with a cat. And they're like, why didn't you leave? And he's like, he's like, why would I? Like, this is my home, and I'm poor. There's nothing for me to. There's nothing for me to do. He's like, I will die here. This is where I want to die. And the volcano never erupts, but it's just weird. Like, the the think that like this these people there are people that were so like I'm not dying, and this guy was like I'm ready. I have nothing to live for, and I'm happy. I'm happy dying right here. It's on YouTube again. It's on YouTube. Highly recommend. Um, and now I'm listening to Werner Herzog's audiobook. Which is also incredible. Um, that's on spot. If you have Spotify Premium, it is it is on there. Yeah. It is uh, taxing is not the right word. It's a very good book, but I, I'm like, I would say I'm like ten hours into this book and oh, nothing yeah. has happened. It's nice. uh, every man for himself and God against all, a memoir by Werner Herzog. He narrates the whole thing. But, I mean, it's just him just, like, at one point, my brother and I were at a restaurant, (laughs) and he lit my shirt on fire, and I laughed. But, to my surprise, no one in the restaurant acknowledged the elaborate prank that my brother had pulled. (laughs) Chapter 8. And then he just goes on to the next thing. It's it's so good. I will say with an audiobook, man, because I have Spotify Premium, too, a good narrator, man, makes a book. I'm saying... It does. It does. Uh, good. Good narration, especially with. I mean, audiobooks. It's. Yeah. I mean, just as you said, it can make or break the whole the whole story. I've listened to entire audiobooks where the narrator's just been okay, and yeah. I end up wanting to fast forward through it just I feel because like, of the narration. Yeah, I feel like when you get a narrator like that, the author is the narrator. You you can get that a lot of times. Mm. But like I'm, I'm listening to a book called White Noise, which is uh, there's a Noah. Bombach. Is that Noah Bombax? Yeah. Well, it, he wrote the he made a movie off the book. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, and the narrator for that, he does like different voices, and he's got this deep, loud, oh, booming that. voice. I loved it. I, <laughs> and I'm loving it. I have like four chapters left too. Damn. That's, all right. That, that album. I mean that book is like 15 hours long too so i'm kind of happy to get to you, the end of it you like it though yeah it's good no it's good i love the movie though too cool i just looked and saw that i have nine and a half hours left in this Werner herzog but i really thought that i had put like a tremendous dent in this thing yeah oh nick i, I don't know if i ever told you i don't know if i ever told you but i, I finished um inherent vice audio. oh really yeah holy shit yeah. it's pretty good i mean it was like compared to the movie it's definitely worth checking out i, I feel very similar to what i felt about no country for old men it's like if you really like the movie 
you should check out the book. If you really like the book, you should check out the movie. I think that they both are great. And they're you know? different, right? Isn't the I book mean, different like, enough? Yeah. I think that that the movie is very similar to No Country for Old Men, and the same thing for yeah. Um, That's uh, how I feel about White Vice. Noise too. Like it, it is different, but there's so much similarity. There's so much similarity. And, he, and I I feel like I'd get like when a director can do that and kind of give you the same like tell you what the book is basically covering at yeah, least the vibes. like the message, get the, the vibes, yeah, the characters and. There's a lot you can skip over, but if you can get like the same objective done, yeah. Oh, for good. sure, man, for sure. I think that Joaquin Phoenix interpreting D- Doc was yeah. insane. Sorry, but yeah, it, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, we can go all that. Yeah, I, I know it's, it's <laughs> I like we literally it just much. like went over audiobooks. <laughs> hey. Welcome to the audiobook podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> listen to Werner Herzog's audiobook. You will not regret it for even an inkling of a moment in this futile existence. <laughs> Uh, so good. But let's get into David Lynch's Blue Velvet. I'm showing the IMDb page because Letterbox is still fucking down. I don't know. I don't know which one you want to read. Probably the top. Read one. the top one because that other one is like yeah, that one four so paragraphs long. long. Oh, it just keeps going too. Holy shit! Yeah, the other one's like a paragraph. So this is Blue Velvet, directed by David Lynch, came out in 1986, and the summary off of IMDb goes like this: The discovery of a severed human ear found in a field leads a young man on an investigation related to a beautiful, mysterious nightclub singer and a group of psychopathic criminals who have kidnapped her child. Mm. Blue Velvet, baby. So this was your first time watching Blue Velvet, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. I I thought this was your second time. No, dude. I get very nervous with David Lynch movies, obviously, because of Lost Highway. I'm sure we've talked about that movie on here. I hate that movie. Yeah. There's not many movies I say I hate. Lost Highway. I probably need to rewatch it. I don't see how I'll, I can do that, but um, it you definitely was a different place. But that, like yeah, <laughs> but that like... movie is very jarring. Yes. But um, Mulholland Drive. I I like I like that movie. I don't love that movie. It's weird. Wild at Heart. I really like that movie. Not as weird, but it's it's yeah. really good. And I think I, I've found, and I think this movie leans more towards the Wild at Heart than it does the Lost Highway or even Mulholland Drive, where it is this, like, coherent story. Yeah. Um, it makes sense. I really thought I was going to have to, like, watch a synopsis, like, explain w- what Blue Velvet is about. I really thought I was going to get lost because David Lynch does that all the time. Um, and I have a, like, it's the same reason why I don't like... Um, Tenet or Inception, and I, I always compare, like, Mulholland Drive to those movies, even though they're very different, but I, I, I feel like those movies um, aim to confuse you. Like, mm-hmm. they have no goal in telling an actual story. I think they, they just want you to be left with no understanding what happened, and you just interpret whatever you feel like. Yep. Where, you know, sometimes that's good. Mulholland Drive is definitely a better example of that. Um... But Blue Velvet, straightforward. It is, I think, in the same realm as like a poor thing, where it is like very hard to take in some of the things you're seeing. That's true. It's true. Um, like the first time you meet, um, gosh, I can't remember his name, uh, Frank. Yeah, Frank. The first <laughs> time you really meet Frank, that's a pretty jarring scene. I can't believe I'm I'm watching this type scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you get through it, and you do. And I, I think they're, like, I used to have a, a really hard time with movies like that, but um, obviously I've, I've watched way worse movies than that. 
by now and it, you can kind of see like the objective where he's getting at and why this is needed in this movie to tell this story in a certain way uh, I I actually like I, I really like this movie I think the right off I, the bat you're yeah, just gonna I say think it. I'm just gonna say it yeah I, I, I didn't love it it's not it's not like it's not better than Wild at Heart but I thought especially at the end where he brings in um gosh what's her name um Laura Dern no the other one the the crazier Isabella Rosalini yes wow that is her that's Isabella yeah, Rosalini yeah that's, that's Isabella Rosalini. wow that's crazy I love Isabella the Rosalini. grandma shell from from Marcel, from Marcel. Shell. oh yeah yeah it is, yeah that's <laughs> but um Wow, that's so crazy because that is definitely her. Now that you're you're saying you didn't it. know that was Isabella I did not, Rosalini, and I knew she was in the movie, but I was expecting <laughs> I was expecting this older woman with like shorter hair. I was not expecting her to play in this type of role. No, she's yeah, like but... in her late twenties and she's hot. Yeah. <laughs> Very different, but I think like when he like kind of is having to explain to Laura Dern in the moment like this, what's happening with this woman. I I love that scene. Like the like okay, this movie is just like chaotic. Now. Yeah, like very you, chaotic. Because you kind of can tell he is hiding things from Laura Dern, and and like he has these two separate lives. And I'm like, what if these two lives meet the whole time I'm watching this movie? Like, what happens when the these two lives Chaos. collide? Because yeah. they have to. Inevitably, they, they have, have to. to. Yeah, and it. I, I for some reason I thought like okay. She gets her child back and they live happily ever after, which is kind of what happens. But, like, they needed the chaos to kind of have that happen. Yep. Uh, and I, I love that. I mean, it's definitely a, a jarring scene at first, but it's yeah. still a... It, it was well done. It, it. I think this movie proved to me that David Lynch is a great filmmaker. <laughs> Damn. Right, there you go. We have yeah. it on record, folks. There. We yeah. got it. We got I, it. I think there are some movies that just aren't for me, and that's sure. okay. There's a yeah, lot of directors fine. like that. I Lost Highway just isn't for me, and people love that movie. I think uh, I think if I ever watched Inland Empire, I probably wouldn't love that movie. But that's a hard one. Love yeah, that movie. It's a it's it's a hard watch. That's yeah. the one I always think about whenever it's like, are, are you really a hundred percent like you love every single one of David Lynch's movies? And, and, and Inland Empire is the first one to be like, do you really like that movie? <laughs> right, yeah. It's like, do you? It's like you like it because a studio looked at him and said, whatever you want, do it. And so it's just this this smorgasbord of fucking chaos nothing yeah. makes sense it's way too long it's shot all on digital camera unlike every single other david lynch project ever <laughs> right it looks ridiculous <laughs> and half it is just laura dern screaming into the camera i, I honestly i do need to rewatch it i own it it's, <laughs> it's... i actually need to rewatch it one I, I need to i need to buy it on criterion um but uh yeah Personally, didn't Moss like get a weird DVD copy of it from like a psych ward or like he or from like know. a library or something? Did he? I thought that you because you borrowed it at one point. I did, but it was just like a blank DVD case with just like a, a piece of paper that said Inland Empire. Yeah, I remember. There, I thought there was some weird thing where like he'd gotten it from from like a library or something. Something weird. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I. I I have no idea, but I I definitely did borrow it from Moss. Moss recommended it. I watched it. I think it's the most David Lynch movie that David Lynch has ever made. So that's why 
I don't want to go on record saying it's like bad or anything like no. that or that it's not because I do feel like it's just if you have the time it's worth watching but it's kind of like when you want to watch the Snyder Cut versus maybe Kick-Ass is like <laughs> it's like the Snyder Cut is great and it's it's a beautiful movie it just it takes four hours uh, fucking time to watch tells me that the Snyder Cut has it moves a little bit quicker than it does and, and that yeah. that is another thing it's, it's, an, it's a full hour longer and it doesn't feel like it. Inland Empire yeah. feels like you're never gonna get out of and there. Inland Empire does feel like, yeah. but that's that's what makes it special. But that's also what makes it very daunting. It's kind of like watching Stalker or something. It's like you got to be in the right headspace to yeah. watch Inland Empire. It's really weird. It's it's a strange movie. I think about that movie too often, honestly, because I follow an account on our Twitter where it just posts one screenshot from the movie every day. Is it Laura Dern screaming? <laughs> Sometimes, some, for, for 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 many days in a row, it'll be Laura Dern screaming at me and then it'll be something else i'm like okay we're we're on to another scene we're moving on god i wonder how many days it would take <laughs> there are so many good scenes in that movie there's a lot if you don't like lost highway i don't think you should watch it like yeah that. i don't i don't yeah sorry I, just like just going off the dome but. i will say like lost highway was the second i think i watched that before wild at heart and i we were it was also like covid we were watching a lot of movies I, I I do think there's a part of me that believes that maybe it's not as bad and that I could handle it more now. Because I remember even during that time, you guys were watching a lot of Gaspar Noé movies and, and I just knew I couldn't do that. You were explaining plots to me, but now I I love Gaspar Noé and I, I know I could handle his movies. Um, do you, I, do I you think... see there being value in exposing yourself to different types of media? Oh, like, for like sure. Sim- like kind of like... I don't know if you want to call it edgier or more like. I think of Salo in that all the time. Right, where yeah. like yeah, Salo. I am. I don't know if I'll ever watch that movie again, but I'm thankful I've seen it. That, I think that's, that's a great really mindset to have yeah. in um, watching movies because you, know, you kind of like. I need to try it at least once. You kind of refine the palette of yeah. like, all right, I like these parts of it. I didn't like this part. If I could find movies that had more shit like these parts that I like and infinitely less of the shit that I hated here, I'll be great. I'll be good. And yeah. you kind of find. Niche. And, and that's yeah. why you can like you know after watching Sallow, watching a movie like Blue Velvet, it's not as extreme. <laughs> You're right. like, oh, you know, I've seen way worse. This isn't right. this isn't as bad as it gets. Um, so you can kind of handle a little bit more. Um, yeah, that's true. You brought you brought up a good point earlier. Whenever you, or at least to to, to me, it stood out to me. When you were like, I, I could see what he's going for. It's like you can see what the direct he, meaning David Lynch, yeah. you can see what the the director or what the the direction of the movie is. Whenever you can see past stuff like that, not that we're trying to read into the movie, but it's like even when the gimp appears in Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. yeah, that's 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 fucked up for sure. But it's also like it's for a purpose. It's to yeah. get to the point of like obviously how fucked up the situation is, but. If you can see, it's kind of like watching Mandy too. Yeah. You see these this like weird demon biker gang. If you let the movie take you on that journey, you'll have the best time. But 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 sometimes you have to see around what the movie's trying to throw in your face. Exactly, and yeah. and you can it, it kind of like justify like I think Pulp Fiction like there's no way he lets Bruce Willis go in in any other situation than if he actually saved his life in that type of situation. Yeah, so you you kind of need scenes like that to really emphasize the point they're trying to make 
Um, I and I think Blue Velvet does that. They need to match the stakes. Yeah. Yep. Um, and Frank what, Frank is definitely a character like that too, as you're saying in in, yeah. in Blue Velvet, up in the stakes dramatically. Like you need to be so ready for this man to die, and yeah. like I was when uh, Jeremiah is that his name or. Jeffrey? Je- Jeffrey, 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 yeah. When Jeffrey is in the closet with the gun pointed at him, like you're just, you're so ready, like get his ass. Like he, he's smart. He thinks he, he knows. Oh, he's got the radio. Um, to to be on your on uh, your feet so quick to you be able to fucking, think that you fucking forgot I got a fucking radio. Yeah. Do you know that in that movie he says fuck? I think it's fifty six times, and oh, only wow. one other character says fuck in the whole movie. <laughs> Frank has all of them, and the one guy that says it is because Frank looks at him and he's like, fucking say it. <laughs> and so then he repeats what he, he repeats the, the fuck that he had said. Wow. I did. I, yeah, I'm not surprised because Frank is a crazy character. Frank is a very Booth. scary villain. Yeah. Like, so this was my second time watching it. The first time I watched it, and I had a, I had a fun conversation about this with. with Alex this morning where I was like, I'm learning that I watched a lot of movies between like the ages of like 16 and 19, or no, I would probably, 14 and 19, exclusively because of like just how like hormonal and like <laughs> ready to fuck anything I was. And so I was like scrolling and I see this movie and it's like, there's graphic nudity in it. And I'm like, I'm watching it. Doesn't matter what it is. I'm watching it. That's what happened with Antichrist. Oh, wow. This is what happened with Blue Velvet. Yep. Blue Velvet, I was a little more prepared. I was like, <laughs> I was like, all right. This movie gave me enough time to be really fucking freaked out. Yeah, like, right. To be like, all right, I'll be good. It's fine. And yeah, that first scene where you meet Dennis Hopper, like I was like, oh man, like I don't know something about like the way the room literally shifts. He makes it darker in the room. He yeah. the the music completely changes. We're looking at the room from a completely different perspective than we've ever seen it before. And just when you're like, what the fuck is this guy going to do? You see him pull out a fucking, like, mask. And you're like, dude, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? And he just goes berserk from there. And, like, his entrance and exit in that scene, in that whole movie, in that, in that first scene with him, you're like, oh, my God. This is a, like, I'm genuinely very afraid of this guy. Yeah. And every time he's in the, every time he finally comes back in the movie, you're like, dude, this guy's going to do something. Yeah. Terrible. So, so yeah. awful. Yeah. Oh my God. Dude, yeah. you're, but you're right. You're so like when he, when you see that look in Kyle McLaughlin's face where he's like, oh, he's got a radio. I'm in the back room. And then he hides and Dennis Hopper comes in all hopped up. He's like, get the fuck out of here, you fuck. And then he shoots him in the head. Even like the slow motion shot of the bullet blasting out of the back of his head. And you're like, Let's go. Let's that go. That felt so good. It was a good. great killing scene. Yeah, right? It. it was good. It was good. Yeah, I, I mean, dude, so many things go right in this movie. I I, I do want to pick your brains about something at the yeah. very end of the of, of, of the movie, though, because this is my second time watching it. I want to hear from, from a first-time perspective and a second-time perspective your takes on this. What is up with the two guys in Frank's apartment? Dude, I have no idea. I'm going to be honest. That's one of the... <laughs> I mean, obviously, one of them is his is Lord Nern's dad's partner. Yep. And I, I don't even know who the other guy. I think I've seen him, but they they're definitely there's like some like thing back there that is has them frozen. It felt like like there's a noise coming from behind them, some device that's doing something. But right, that's what I was thinking. I didn't know what was going on. 
like especially whenever I first watched the movie, I was just so confused, and I'm still I still am can like confused as to what they are. Are they statues, or like did Frank tie them up? Yeah. Are they tied they're like, by they're fishing dead, line or something? It seems like yeah, yeah, but like kind of. Are they dead, right? Yeah, like, are they? I don't know. So he takes something out of one of their mouths, and it's, he just is like, the the face just stays the same. It's just like kind of like yeah. an open mouth. But, I was but like, like the, the wound right here looks like a bullet wound. That's what I'm saying, yeah. right? Right. Nick, what did you think about these the, these two figures? So at that point, I felt like, all right, I'm in the David Lynch universe yeah. now. We're like, finally, like, here's something that's like kind of weird because you've been following that, like, the guy in the yellow suit. Laura Dern's dad's partner, like, is not a good guy. Or something, like, he's he's working with Frank. Yeah. And then you walk into this part, and he's just dead. And that is something that David Lynch, I think, just... He does really well introduce a character that's kind of in the background the whole time, and then, like, just kill them off just, screen. Just kill them and yeah. make it, like, very ominous. Yeah. And it's it's... The movie itself is already so surreal that, like... It towed the line so well that when it happened, you were like, I bet this could happen in this universe. Like, it's not, it didn't feel too far-fetched that this guy is dead but still standing. Yeah. Like, something about that was like, alright, yeah, maybe maybe that happened. It's, what makes Blue Velvet a very, like, haunting experience is that it towed, I think it tows that line of surrealism better than a lot of movies where... I think and better than a lot of David Lynch movies where you're put into a dream like universe. Everything he's making is working in dream theory and you can tell when it's like, all right, this is this is clearly a fantasy of some kind. Like Mulholland Drive has its plenty of moments where you're like this isn't really happening or like this is happening but it's like we've we've hit fantasy. Mm. Blue Velvet captures all the elements of fantasy w- without crossing that line of this can't happen. Yeah. And it's very odd, just the way that it does that. So when you see him in the apartment, I feel like it's a partially unexplained thing, or something that like I just missed drastically. Yeah. But I, I don't believe that you're the, all of the points are given to you up front of mm. wh- why he's he's still standing, and the one guy and he's dead kind of, and the other guy is is dead. Yeah, right, right. I thought Laura Dern's dad was in on it, like the whole movie. Like, from the very beginning, when he told him, like, just keep your head out of this, like, let me deal with it, I, I immediately was like, oh, yep, no, he's a part of it. And even to the end, where the, you see his partner as a part of it, and even the fatherly advice he gives Kyle McLaughlin, I I thought for sure, oh, this guy is in on it. Like, Guys, we're so stupid. Oh, boy. The guy in the chair is is Dorothy's husband. That's why he's missing the ear. Oh, well, I knew that part, but why is he frozen? I don't think I think he's just been dead. Oh, why is the guy standing up? That is what's that's, that's still what's throwing me this whole time. Like you don't just stand up when you're dead, or or you do in David Lynch's world. Right. That the ear because they they do a close up on his ear. And that I got. I'm like, okay, this is Dor- Dorothy. Because okay. at first I thought that was Laura Dern's dad when I first saw him, and then they go in on the ear like, oh, that's not Laura Dern's dad. He's definitely in on it. That that like solidified. Oh, he's he's a part of this, whatever's going on here. Um, and it wasn't until like the very end that I was like, oh, okay, it's he's like, he's minute. not a part yeah. of it. Nope. Which made me kind of happy because they get to kind of live happily ever after. That's another part that I wanted to ask you and, and kind of pick your brain about. Do you think that that's real? 
Do I think what's end. real? The ending. I don't know because the beginning of the movie is like zooming in on the bugs, and the end of the movie is the bird with the bug. But do you do you notice something about the bird? I don't know. Other than the fact that it's got a bug in its mouth, what it's do you got? Definitely fake, like hundred percent. It's a fake bird. Well, okay. I think yes. I may have noticed, like, yeah, that's not a bird that they got to stand there with a bug. But I thought that was why they couldn't get a a real bird to do that. I get that. My thing is that I I interpret it as too many things are going right. Yeah, it's I too guess, perfect for. For the universe that dreaming. David Lynch gave us. Because yeah. I think that the universe that he started us in was not like this. Yeah. And the families didn't really know each other and they didn't really keep But now they're like one yeah, big happy family like unit, that love each other. I'm yeah. reading like a the bunch of theories bird. and not one of them is not one of them is what he has said so <laughs> For real? far. Yeah. Wow, not a single insane. one has said that. Oh, I, I've, I can I've, see I've where you get that, that though. It's but supposed I, to be a I, lot of it. I, it seems I interpreted you... it as like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a step further. If we're about to dive it in, I literally took it a step further in the sense of like Frank has his blue velvet. Like Frank has his, his escape from reality. And in the end, Jeffrey had a coming of age story, but he found his own blue velvet. He found a way to make his entire existence look like it was working out for him in the way that Frank, I believe, has a similar condition. That's why he does the things that he does because he thinks that it makes life better, theoretically, for yeah. himself. So Jeffrey's doing the same thing, but Jeffrey's not a perfect individual. So it's like, how did he reach that that harmonious state at the end? And I can see I that know, in know, a David that, Lynch that, movie. That's a really weird statement. But. I think it's like a greener grass kind of a thing, you know, yeah. where like it's all tied in a pretty bow at the end for that universe. Yeah. Like the movie ends as it begins. Yeah. You literally have the exact same shots of it opening up of just like, and everything went back to normal. Yeah. Like, it's, and it's a lot of the theories that, that I that I had been reading while we were discussing this is that the birds whenever they're brought up or shown, like, they are always put in a good light. They are, they essentially are, like, a force of good. And what turns the movie is the guy, is his dad keeling over, and then you just get this shot of bugs. Yeah. And then it goes back into the movie. And then the movie's pace completely changes. And the movie ends with the bird eating a bug, kind of being like, hey, like, this, the the bird is good, the bug is evil, and the incorruptible good is always going to be... The evil and everything will return. That makes to sense normal. too, because like the bug is done now. Yeah, the, the, yeah. that gross. Which is more of what I had sub- like subscribed to, like not like that exact theory, but I per- I perceived the movie as like it is an ultimate good triumphs over evil, and yeah. it's a it's a happy ending as happy can get because it just feels like one of those movies. Yeah. Too like while being a surreal horror hellscape it also feels like an old-timey movie of just like oh yeah like the end like it's it's a it's just got he, he captures that so so well and i like the happy ending yeah i, I like it that i enjoyed that it it was that it when i was watching it so. and it's not like the ultimate wasn't happy ending. her yeah. husband's dead yeah yeah right and she has to live with that knowledge forever <laughs> yeah they definitely went through hell to get to this point. she had to she had to meet frank yeah Oh my god. We're like Frank is almost like represented as the bug there. Yeah. In the in the movie. He's done now. Because he, he kind of was the old like the worst of the, if he's gone, everything kind of is back to normal. 
And honestly, whenever David Lynch has a villain, he does make them kind of all-encompassing. Yeah. Yeah. Like Bob. Um, I'm at your house right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm at your house right now. Pick up the phone. <laughs> God, I love that. I, that. I love that villain, though. Like, oh, I, yeah. What is he called? The, the, the Pale Man? I think or, it's the Pale Man. Or the White Man or something like what that. Is this, what movie is this? On? This is the bad Lost guy in Lost Highway. Lost Highway. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God. The phone. Yeah. <laughs> the the camera scene always freaked me out because it. That's another thing that David Lynch does a really good job at. He doesn't do it too much in this movie, but there there, there are a couple of uh, kind of spooky dream sequences. But the loud noises paired with some really disturbing images. It, yeah. yeah. I think that. Oh, he's just called Mystery does, Man. Does does a really good job. Oh, really? Yeah, and, and I always thought I definitely thought it was Pale Man, but I everything is saying Mystery Man. I thought he Man. had a name. It, do they call him Mystery Man? That's what he's listed yeah. as on every, in like everything here. I've only seen it once, like five years ago. So I, um, yeah, <laughs> it sucks because that's like one of my favorite Lynch villains. Letterbox is back. It's one of my favorite Lynch villains. Crazy. But I don't. But it, Lost Highway is not even close oh, to like my favorite sure. Lynch movie. I get that. But I, I think that, like... The villain's really strong. I mean, yeah. like... He's really good at writing a bad guy. He is. I've never seen a movie, like, where he introduces a villain that I'm like, whatever. Like, right. you have you have Frank in Blue Velvet. You have Bob in Twin Peaks. You have, um... Leland, if you even want to call that. Yeah, you have you have Leland. You have uh, Laura Dern's mom in, in Wild at Heart. Yep. Like, he, he creates these villains that are very... They all seem very human until they don't. Mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe, oh God. Willem Dafoe, yeah. They're just something... Something about me, you're like, that's a real fucking person that you would meet somewhere. And everything you could ever possibly think, like, about that guy is now true and put in front of you. Like, oh, Willem Dafoe with rotting teeth? I bet that guy's fucking crazy. Me is. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> And Dennis Hopper was a perfect acting choice for oh, it was so good. for Blue Velvet. Oh, he was so intense, such a good villain. Like I, it, I agree with with everything that's been said. The moment he comes into the in, um, into the scene, completely steals it. But it's for, like, uh, it's like he steals your attention, but he's also so abrasive. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh my god! It's like I want to keep listening because it's this is so good. It's delivered so well, but this is this it's is hard to hear. Yeah, this is fucking crazy. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in, and he he delivers everything well and and with a lot of power. Even when he, um, I I think that one of the most strongest scenes is whenever Jeffrey's leaving the apartment and Frank is right there in the hallway. <gasps> He's just like. You know, who's this fucker? (laughs) Oh, you want to go for a ride? He's like, oh, no, thank you. He's like, wait, what'd you say? He's like, oh, I I said, no, thank you. I don't want to go for a ride. You want to go for a ride? Okay, cool. You can get my car. We're going to go for a ride. We're going to go for a ride. It's like, oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, I think a lot of the roles were actually really well done. Yeah, honestly. Kyle McLaughlin, Laura Dern, uh, Isabella Rosalini. Rosalini. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think she she also is I, she I think a star it. in this movie. A I lot of people were and... were pissed at that scene whenever she came out naked because apparently she was a really well respected actress uh, yeah. at the time and she had never done a full body and she's actually shot. naked in that in that and she scene. is naked naked yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah people got pissed off at at even David Lynch for that and you know classic David. Probably was like, I didn't do anything, but... Right. (laughs) (laughs) 
We wrote the movie and we said, by golly, this is the scene. And Isabella said, you're right. And we shot it, damn it. I left my wife to be with Isabella Rossellini during the making of this movie. But, I yep. mean, even that, that scene, I really like that scene because that's when Mike shows up, oh, too. Oh, it's, it's a great scene. Yeah, it's and he, like, if she's not naked, happened. then the, uh, the scene doesn't hit as hard. No. Because he, he's like, all of it, he... Mike does a 180 where he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, dude. I, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Like, you, he's just so apologetic because he can see. Like, it, they don't even have to explain. Up. Like, he, it's yeah. not like Comic Lockland is explaining to this guy yeah, that he's he in this situation. He sees this, you know, Isabella Rosalini with bruises all over her, completely naked. You, you already know, like, okay, yeah, this is, I need to get as far away from this situation <laughs> as possible. Um, and... Yeah, so I, I thought that was uh, a great scene, the, the, yeah. the, the switch up. And it also, like, resolves the whole Mike and Laura Dern's relationship. Um, very quick. He de- like, it, it. there was no stone unturned in this movie. Yeah. Until there was at the very end. Like, <laughs> a, a random dude just standing up who's dead. Yes, I still, I, I don't think we'll ever know the mystery I don't think he wants that. us to know. He yeah. needs to have at least one thing in there. Yeah, in the where it just doesn't make sense. Yep. I agree. <laughs> Do you I think agree. that Jeffrey that Jeffrey's a good guy though? That that's what I mean by like even even if I go with, so with even if I go with the bird ending, I still don't think Jeffrey was ever a hundred percent put in a good light. No, not no. one part during. He's that constantly movie. cheating on Lord Dern. <laughs> He's also constantly being like, "Hey, detective's daughter." You should break the law with me. (laughs) And then when she's like, I don't think I want to do that. He's like, what the hell? Why not? (laughs) You're like, all right, dude, fucking calm down. (laughs) Why are we breaking in? Why do you want to break into Isabella Rossellini's apartment so fucking badly? He's like, because it's for the sake of mystery. Yeah, right. What the fuck are you talking about? But then like, there's also a part of it where he is also saving her and her son. And like, he sees this fucked up situation that he is trying to end. He's not like he's an unlikely hero, I would say, but mm. he he kind of ends up saving the day because the police have no no evidence. They they're not getting on. anything done. It takes everything that that Jeffrey is doing during the movie to get it done. Even though he does some really shitty things, I, I think that's a, it's a very human role too. Mm. At the same time, it's like you know how you know Jeffrey's in us put in a situation where he makes some mistakes i guess you could say but uh i always took it as or at least upon this second watch that jeffrey was in it because of his dad at the beginning his dad goes through like a a a traumatic injury in a sense gets put in in the hospital can't speak i don't know what happened i guess it's kind of like a stroke he has he has some sort of stroke and um I took it as he doesn't know what's going to happen to his dad, so he's trying to grapple with with mystery itself. Yeah. Because he he does use that word. He says like it's just mystery. Like I'm doing it because life like he, life he, is a mystery. I like yeah. this shit because it's you, you don't know what's going to happen. It's fucking crazy. Well, there's even that scene with Laura Dern where he says like I love mystery. Like you're mysterious. Yeah, and, exactly. And I love you. Yeah. You're yeah, yeah, exactly. You're, you're not like the other girls, Laura Dern. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, yeah, good 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 memory. That's that that's the exact scene. But um that's that's just what I felt he was going for it is it, just to Same. avoid his his dad's suffering yeah. in, in 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 the way. 
Um, that doesn't make him a good person because he no. gets put in a very bad situation. And you got to think about what he's doing. Is like yeah. he starts off. He starts off by thinking that there's a lead here, so he's he he wants to stay the night in some lady's apartment. Yeah. So it's like already kind of weird, and like yeah, he does get involved in a potentially good situation, but he also falls for Isabella Rosalini, like which in, is already questionable. Sense. Like after you've seen what just happened, right? There's no way she's at all attractive but after what, I, what what like. Yeah, that 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 scene is insane because this time through I saw it more as she is trying to test if this behavior is acceptable acceptable by trying it on Kyle McLaughlin. But she also has been brainwashed a little bit to enjoy some of it. So so some of it she does enjoy it. She's like, hit me. I want to be hit. Um, But at the same time. I think she's also trying to get him to, to be put in like weird situations. That's why I just feel like the movie is so fucked up. I just don't know if the ending is this true good. Yeah, one, I don't think you're... One note like, yeah. yay. I, I, I just, because it was so fucked up. I mean, yeah. it was like everyone was so damaged because of this one event. Just because Jeffrey wanted to spend the night in some random person's apartment. I mean, shit got fucked fast. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it just so happened that it... I mean, we don't even know if it's a really good ending, but it's definitely a better ending, where the oh, son is sure. free and for sure, for sure, for yeah. Sure. Isabella Rosalini is also sure. free, so sure. yeah. I think it, it just like kind of happens that way, but it's he's definitely not. I just take it as a more of character. like it could be more of a dream. But yes, I definitely, yeah. I definitely do agree with you. Either ending is like yeah. Kyle's. St- I mean, excuse me. Um, Jeffrey is kind of up in the air when it comes yeah. to his moral compass and For stuff sure. like that he's weird he's a weird guy what but we, i love him i feel i feel that i think that yeah making the best of a bad situation then it's very clear that he's playing he's playing like a young guy too so it's just like ah i guess in, in, a young a young guy in this kind of situation who's clearly going through his own shit like would absolutely fall into this and oh, make a lot sure. of fucked up mistakes yeah decisions yeah he it, probably wouldn't it, get the happy ending but he but it, it right. it's it does happen would you guys classify this as a coming of age story partially yeah. i think it's an element but i wouldn't call it like a coming of age i wouldn't describe it as a coming yeah. of age movie hmm. yeah i don't know because it, it's so different than the coming of age genres but it, it, i mean there definitely is a coming Some of age aspect i'd give it yeah. like semi-erotic thriller yeah <laughs> yeah right i agree with those what uh? What are we giving Blue Velvet? I'm gonna start off. I'm gonna give it a four. I really like it. I think that's a solid rating. That's for a good rating. Yeah. That's what I've always it's given a good, it. It's yeah, a good rating. four yep. first watch. I did really like. It. I was expecting to give it a two. So to give it a four. <laughs> Damn, is, we do- really we doubled solid. the stars. Yeah, dude, dude. For us, all for yeah. us, baby. Dude, yeah, it's a good movie. I like it. Good. I'm 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 glad that that you enjoyed it. Yeah, Nick and I gave it the same score. Both gave it a five. five. Yeah. yeah. It, it, no surprises. Right? It was a lot better this time around. When, same. When yeah. I'm not in like this like horny headspace of just like man i'm i'm trying to have a moment here and like watching it as, as an adult just being like fuck this is an incredible yeah, movie it's like I every had a good aspect time with this yeah i, I hate um, teenage third, Nick. third time through is the charm i gave it fours both times really? upon watching it yeah yeah the first time through i gave it a four second time through i was like it's still a four it's not my favorite but i like it and this time through i watched it and i was like 
Still not my favorite, but damn, this is a really good movie, and I'm I'm honestly blown away. Like I like revisiting this movie, and I just gave okay. it a five. So nice. Yeah, yeah. The, the the revisiting it's factor solid. was solid. And I mean, you're you're both of you guys are such great David Lynch fans. Like you you've loved him. Yeah. For Nick, as long Nick as I've known you guys. Nick introduced me to David Lynch. Uh, babe. Well, you knew who he was. Well, but really? more, but more so. I, I feel like weren't you like really into Twin Peaks before? I, I was, I yeah. was. But that was like that's how summer. we became friends. He yeah. sat across from me, that. and I had yeah. my legs crossed, and he saw my Twin Peaks tattoo, and he was like, "Is that a Twin Peaks tattoo, man?" And I was like, "Yeah," and he was like, "That's awesome." I remember texting Molly like immediately. Like, you will not believe what fucking happened at work today. <laughs> yeah, Twin Peaks. I had it took to, almost man. a year and somebody finally <laughs> recognized it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why I feel like Nick introduced me to Lynn. I, I guess I'm getting him mixed up with like like Gaspar in a way because I did I did watch Fire Walk with me and stuff like that before that uh, before we met. But I feel like you didn't watch Mulholland Drive until no, like, like like that's what I'm like saying way is like is like Elephant Man, Mulholland Drive. There was like half of of David Lynch's work I've never seen. Yeah, and, and, and Nick, yeah. Nick gave me access to that. That's awesome. So, dude, Damn. he's one of the best. Uh, American directors ever. If you if you don't know too much about him, I'd recommend checking him out. Um, he has plenty of great movies. Blue Velvet's just one of them, and he and he's only made eight movies. So and they're all, as far as I can tell, definitely worth at least one watch. And there's not a lot of directors that you can say that. So it's for sure. It's good. Absolutely. Now let's move on to another movie that is almost not as good. I'll say it's not as good, but. On God. a different scale, I mean, it's it's it's. Arguably oh, I'm here to prove that they're on the same scale. Enjoyable. I'm here to prove that they're on the same scale. <laughs> what is Rhinestone about? This is probably the longest tagline we've ever had. I know on this tagline's insane. <laughs> okay, Rhinestone came out in 1984. Was directed by Black Christmas's director Bob Clark. And the tagline goes like this. She's bet everything, and we mean everything, that she can turn this New York cabbie into an overnight sensation. He has other things in mind, but he's never had a trainer like this one. <laughs> that's the tagline. That, that's the that tagline. The tag that's line. the whole entire tagline. That's also the summary. <laughs> yeah, right. I feel like that could be the summary, but no, there's, there's more. There's also a summary. Yeah. All right, here we go. Summary follows. After a big time country singer brings that she, or excuse me, brags that she can turn anybody into a country singing star, she's out to prove she can live up to her talk when she recruits a cab driver as a country singer. He's scheduled to sing at a big time NYC country nightclub, and she puts her ample powers to work in preparing her protege. All right. Nice. Sure. Okay. It's, I mean, it's there, but it, it kind of tells it in a soulless way. Yeah. This movie has nothing but, but Riz, as the kids would say. This movie has it all. I can't even believe this movie exists. This no. shouldn't <laughs> exist. This, this, this is a weird movie. I'll put it that way. This was strange. And it is, like, viciously hated online. Like, I to a point that I think is, like, it's excessive, honestly. Like... It was how many Razzies was it nominated for nine Razzies? That's that's, that's stupid. Absurd. That's it's stupid. It's, it's quite a bit. That's an unbelievable amount. Um, it was it was um, I think it only won one award, which was for the worst song of the year. 
Which is that Budweiser song that he sings halfway through the movie. Really? Oh my god. Drinking Stein. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. That song was one worst worst song in a movie. Which is nuts. I feel like there are many worse songs that I've heard in movies. It's not a good song, but it's not, it's not the worst. The worst song. Yeah, it was, seriously. It was nominated for, for worst movie that year. Let me tell you some other movies that came out in the year of our Lord, 1984. That's what I was looking for, too. David Lynch's Dune came out in 1984. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> right? All right. Holy God. Uh, yeah, come on. Man. The Toxic Avenger came out in 1984. That's like a beloved classic, though. It is. It is. But at that time, yeah, come on. Yeah, people hated it. Uh, Friday the 13th, The Final Chapter... <laughs> A that, movie called rough. a movie called Hard Bodies, which had a one on Metacritic, <laughs> and The Hills Have Eyes too. Ooh, yeah, that I've heard <laughs> oh, is man. bad. Yeah, so this is not. This makes no sense. Rhinestone does not even come close to being as bad as these movies. No, it's, some of them no. Rhinestone. Let's get. Let me get this out of the way immediately. Rhinestone is objectively a bad movie. But in the way that it's like, you could tell this is just like, we're having fun. We're just making a movie. And even Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone said um, that <laughs> it's, I think it's harsh, personally. Um, in an interview, Sylvester Stallone once said that if there were any films he wished he hadn't done, this was one of them. Right. Which is crazy, because he's been in god-awful movies like Spy Kids 3D, every Expendables movie, and Rocky V. But he also said that Dolly Parton was a dream to work with. I believe that. H- how could you not? Like, <laughs> I yeah, that's that's he really wrote absurd. that shit. Though, like, yeah, like he also. If wrote there was that? one thing I could redo in my career, it was to not write this god awful movie. So there that was I another. So acted it. So apparently, there was another screenwriter. Okay. Who wrote like most of the original script, and Stallone came in and went like, "Nope," <laughs> and and tore it to shreds. Because at this point, he's at that level. And they just let him do that. It's 1984. Sylvester Stallone's a hot commodity at this point. Like, they were that. just gonna let him do it, and this is what this is what he created. I love that. Which makes it that much funnier, <laughs> that much better that they were like, "Yeah, Rocky Balboa, you can definitely you can make this. this movie about how you're going to bang Dolly Parton." Yep. <laughs> Before the guy that plays Rachel's dad on Friends does. <laughs> Oh my god, that is him. You're yeah, right. that drove me crazy the first time. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? I've seen him somewhere. And that's who he was. Damn. Well, I mean, we. I'm just thankful that we, we found this movie randomly. Um, on the, We found it on the pod on the show, while yeah. we were recording. Yep. For Black Christmas, I think. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Because this was definitely worth the watch. It is a strange experience and the way that that nick sold me the movie just just talking about the plot before even seeing it it didn't even prepare me for some of the scenes how they how they were conveyed how sylvester stallone sang some of those songs it's stressful still yeah i'm still confused honestly as to like what was the goal there it still doesn't sound like country music no No. matter what you do to his voice i was listening to the soundtrack after and it almost sounded more like talking heads than it did (laughs) what that's awesome and it kind of rocks i i too listened to the soundtrack probably three times today nice i play. i was playing liza p at one point i had this tv muted and was just listening to the soundtrack while playing and i was like damn this is so nice 
It's such a good soundtrack. My only yeah. complaint with the soundtrack is that they have the audience from the movie mm-hmm. play over like three or four songs. And it's like, I don't want to hear the audience. I want to hear Dolly Parton sing the song. I want to hear the song about the guy's wife getting killed on the tractor. Because that song went so hard and it's ruined by a crowd going like, Boo, I hate you. This really happened to my Loretta. It's a great fucking song. I was wondering if that, I think that's an actual country music. So I looked into it. It's not. Really? It's the only song that guy has. they credit his name, I think, on the album, too, for singing it. Yeah, I went and checked that out. If you click on his name, it's the only song that's wow. there. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. I know. I would have been like, give that guy a, a singing career. Yeah, like, that guy had it, go, had it, it all. It wasn't bad. He didn't do it. But yeah, well. he, he dropped it all because Rhinestone did not take off the way that he wanted it to. <laughs> Unfortunately. Maybe, yeah. And I, I, I it, it genuinely saddens me because, like, this was such a fun movie that is, ju- in my opinion, just as surreal, in a different way, but just as surreal as Blue Velvet. Like, nothing oh, that happens yeah. in this movie is right. Yeah. But it all makes sense in this universe. It would never happen, but in this universe, you're like, alright, yeah, I could definitely see Sylvester Stallone getting on a horse and riding across New York City to find yeah. Dolly Parton. And that's what you wanted. Yeah. For, you wanted that to happen in the movie. Right. Especially in that getup he had walking out with the like rhinestone getup, like you knew he had to ride the horse named Rhinestone. Yep, that was the only thing that that made sense. <laughs> it, was, it was such like it is absurd in, in every way possible. But if you love Dolly Parton and you love Sylvester Stallone, um, which I think we all do, like we all yeah. like especially Dolly Parton, growing up with her almost, you know, with her music. Um, you kind of can connect to it. it. It brings out this like southern part of you, and I love when they go back to Nashville or Tennessee, wherever, yeah. at, middle of nowhere. Like it, it, it kind of brings out like a like a, a part of home almost. Um, and then you know, just getting Rocky Balboa when he, I mean, he looks like Rocky Balboa. He does, and he even has some fighting scenes, and um, it, it it's just such a like a great pairing. We got, we got Rocky. We got Rocky for the picture. Yeah. Rocky for the picture. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I would even love. We were talking about like this uh, potentially getting remade, and I thought I think that'd be a great idea if they remade this movie. Yeah, it's called A Star Is Born. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I thought of, about doing that as the shot in the chaser, but I felt like it was uh, too on the nose, and I didn't want to make Joey have to watch A Star Is Born again. Yeah. That, I mean, it. This movie is way. Rhinestone is ten times better than the stars. Oh, agreed. That I agree with hundred percent. I would put on Rhinestone any like any given moment. Stars Born, I had to be in the right headspace for it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's a it's a feel good movie. The soundtrack is so good, and so much better than a Stars Born soundtrack. Because yeah, you only mean, got that one fucking song. Yeah, Every shallow. song in this is a hit. Even, like, the, the background songs that they're singing. There's a yeah. song where they're just saying the words too much water over and over again, and it's like, yeah, yeah. let's go. This hits. There's a there's a song on the soundtrack that I think her ex-boyfriend sings in the movie, but it's her brother that actually sings it, uh, uh, called, like, Waltzing Up to Heaven, I think. Yeah. And it, it's, like, beautiful. <laughs> it's, like, a beautiful song. This movie is insane. It shouldn't exist. Um, I wanted to read off a couple crazy facts about this movie. Please. Yeah, do it. Sylvester Stallone turned down the male lead in Romancing the Stone, which is a very popular rom-com from the 80s, and a really good movie. Love that movie. Uh, And the lead in Beverly Hills Cop, before it was rewritten as a comedy. (laughs) 
to make rhinestone. He wow. turned down. Oh, now I get why he regrets making rhinestone. <laughs> right. He really lost out on some money. <laughs> oh yeah, that's very true. Because this had a twenty-eight million dollar budget and it only made twenty-one million at the box office, which is so sad. They didn't even port it to Blu-ray. Oh. You have to buy it in like a clunky looking DVD box. It's not even like a regular one. It's like one of those thick ones. Nice. It's like why would you make that? It's not even cheaper to make it that way. <laughs> um. According to her autobiography, My Life and Other Unfinished Business, Dolly Parton states that she considers the soundtrack for this movie as some of the best work that she has ever done. Parson also declares, uh, Parton also declares that the song What a Heartache is a personal favorite of hers, uh, Parton, Parton having re-recorded the track twice since the movie on the 1991 Eagle When She Flies and 2002 Halos and Horns albums. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my last big one that I wanted to, to throw out there, Bob Clark was not the first director that was signed on to do this movie. Bob Clark replaced Don Zimmerman as the movie's director. And now I'm sure you're asking yourself, who the fuck is Don yeah. Zimmerman? Yeah. Have you ever heard of a little piece of shit known as Jumper? <laughs> I thought, <laughs> dude, yes. he, he directed Jumper? Jumper. The Jumper director was Anything initially. Else? Or... Not that I, not that seemed like worth mentioning. Wow. Jumper was really? the one that I was like, yup, I'm bringing that up. That's, that's so fucking crazy. Though. So like Jumper was technically his biggest movie. He could have had Rhinestone under his belt too. I feel like he would have ruined that. That would have been such a depressing moment. It would have been I, even worse. I also feel that way about... Um, Beverly Hills Cops, too. Like, I feel like Sylvester Stallone would not have done that any better. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thankful Murphy. that he chose to do this. I think uh, it, all is right in the world because he did this. He chose to do Rhinestone. We we needed it. Oh, excuse me. Don Zimmerman was the editor on uh, Jumper. Still. <laughs> yeah, he's actually never directed anything. He's been editors for movies such as Night at the Museum, Liar Liar... Rocky 3 and 4 and The Cat in the Hat. <laughs> Dude, what, wow. what a fucking filmography. What a weird filmography. There's some, there's some crazy... He did Fun with Dick and Jane, Rush Hour 3. And he's the editor? He's the editor. That's crazy. I'm trying to see what else this guy's done that's like... He has such an eclectic body of work. Marmaduke. The Nutty Professor. He's literally the dude who just gets called when they have no one else. Honestly, because you've also got the third Bill and Ted movie, Men in Black. Oh my god! Is oh that no. Men in Black three? Men in Black three? <laughs> he still does big movies though. Those are yeah. Th those are huge projects. I mean, good for him. Yeah. Honestly, but regardless, his, his money, his moolah. So I, I take it back. You're not the piece of shit guy that directed Jumper. However, you're attached to Jumper, making you a piece of shit. Maybe, maybe the editors what went wrong with that. No, the editors. No, definitely there was went wrong everything with that went wrong. There is not a single good thing to be Chris said about James. the movie Jumper. Yeah. <laughs> fuck that movie. Fuck, yeah. fuck Hayden Christensen, and fuck you for liking him. I don't know why I called him Christian Haydenson, but Christian Haydenson. <laughs> Um, I, hate him. I, I really will go to bat for this movie. It is a feel good through yeah. and through. It's funny. It's got its like kind of not sad moments. Let me rephrase that. It has moments where it tries to create romantic tension between Sylvester oh Stallone and Dolly Parton, yep. and it's the best part of the movie. Oh, because uh, it's so yeah. bad and yeah. it's so not working. And I think halfway through the movie, one of us, I think I might have been Molly or I you, Molly. noticed that was like. They're not kissing in any scene. 
Like every scene you see them kissing, they are clear. There is no contact. <laughs> And we're like, maybe, I don't know. And then there's a scene where it's like from the side and you can see like, oh, they did not kiss even a little bit for the scene. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep, no, I, which, I mean, it makes sense because it, one, it, it could just be Dolly Parton's uh, request, but I don't, I don't have another explanation other than that. I mean, Bob Clark, I thought, I thought he could direct stuff. <laughs> he could direct stuff. He just doesn't, he just doesn't show, he doesn't show anything. And, like, there's literally a kissing scene with, like, uh, Sylvester's head in the way. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's yeah. near the end of the movie. It's, yeah. It's probably the one you, you, Big you, ass hair. you were referencing. Yeah. yeah. You can't see anything at all. And then, and then the camera kind of swivels around, and then you kind of get a view of it. But I was like, why the fuck did we get behind the head? Yeah, like, honestly. Like, that was stupid. But Weird you, shot. You kind of, like, I was, I was thankful that they moved past that. Like, that was only, like, a small part of it. Because, like, even, like, the contract that she was a part of, that was, like, part of it was if she lost, she had to have sex with Rachel, uh, friends, Rachel's dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bro. That was like, a wild contract. And, like, even at the beginning, she's like, no, that's not a part of it. But then somehow it, it definitely, it definitely is becomes a part, part of, of it. it again. And then all of a sudden she's in his apartment to, like, fulfill the contract. But finds a way out of it. Finds a way out of it. Which is, yeah, I mean. The that whole, part is kind of absurd. The whole plot, yeah. The whole reason why she. <laughs> that part's kind of absurd. Yeah. Dude, just a little bit. But yeah, the whole, the whole reason why she's even. Just to get out of her contract. Doing this. Well, I mean, yeah. That, yeah. But her I mean, contract's insane, though. I don't blame yeah. her for wanting to get out of it, but she... She's basically like a prisoner to this country club in New York. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. But it's like, you have this... Um, then you're, you're introduced to Sylvester Stallone, who is like a like the most harsh record scratch yeah. of a character that's that ever. could have ever been put into them. Because <laughs> the movie starts in one way. And as soon as Sylvester Stallone appears, you're like, dude, what the fuck is it's going so on? It's so different. They're all not, of a sudden. Not, no, it's like two enormous forces. Like, did you ever see the Pokemon, the first movie? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the scene of Mew and Mewtwo, like, fighting each other? They were just, like, bounce off each yeah. other. Like, that's what it felt like, just watching these two incredibly power, powerful people just bounce off of each other. Because <laughs> yeah. there's no attraction whatsoever. Nope. And yes. like such a weird couple, man. Even even how Sylvester Stallone's introduced, he like cuts her off in the cab. Yeah, and he like hops out and like runs across the street. Oh my! It, like, did it you see that? Me, it yeah. reminded me of Ernest when he's it driving did. the cab. Yes, it did. It's very similar vibes. Like they they are both chaotic in the same way, especially at the beginning, which I think made him very funny and likable at the beginning. Yes. Oh, it did. It did. So it, it definitely helped. He's he's so funny in this because he just plays like the most stereotypical Italian guy humanly possible. And he wrote that. He wrote the character to be yeah. like, I can say literally any of these things and it's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, and it and it and it's goofy as hell and it's funny as fuck because it's like Italian people don't go to the South. Like that's like the yeah. whole bit of this movie. And it's such a stupid bit that lands almost sticks the landing like every single time. There's a handful of times where you're like, all right, come on, let's, let's, let's keep it moving here. But as a whole, it's so damn funny, and such a feel-good experience. I am very disappointed in Earth, and the way that it is treated this movie. It has a forty-three percent on Metacritic. It has a twenty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. 
a 20%. That's right. You heard me. Jeez. That is that's so harsh. unfair. Yeah, that's that is, harsh. It is, that a lower, is a lower rating than the new Exorcist movie. Oh, that's not and right. Like, and that's, that's just right. like not good. People hate that's just not well made. Yes. This is a masterpiece. Least, they're taking... Compared to Exorcist Believer, yes. Yeah, it's ambitious. They're taking risks and... Um, I think it, I mean, obviously it, it is supposed to be hilarious and absurd and I think it pays off for the most part. Absolutely. I definitely yeah. agree. It's a fun, if you're just don't go into the movie in like a cinema bro, like mindset, like go in completely like total void, head empty. Yeah. Just be like, all right, I'm seeing a movie and it's going to have Dolly Parton singing in it yeah. and Sylvester Stallone being Italian. You have a good time. Right. I'm not looking to like be a different person at the end of this movie. I'm just looking to be mindlessly entertained. And if you want mindless entertainment, holy yeah. God, this is it's perfect. This is a crowning achievement in mindless entertainment. Yo, yeah. But also like goaded soundtrack. I'm convinced people that hate this movie are Italian phobic and hate Dolly Parton, which is the most sexist you could possibly be as a human being. So fuck you. I love this movie. I love you, Bob Clark. Thank you for making this movie. This is the best movie in your filmography. I think yeah. that 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 this movie is good. I don't love it, but it's definitely enjoyable. What are you gonna give Rhinestone? That's what I was wondering um, <laughs> if you're gonna ask me. Um, I, I I I'm feeling right now probably like a three, three and a half. That is exactly where I needed you to be. Man. Yeah, that's uh, that, I consider that a win. Yeah, if it's a movie that's not a blood fest that's that's supposed to change your perspective on reality, a three is like a five. <laughs> it's like all right. The only things he didn't like about it is that he didn't like the movie, which means that it was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it it works out really well. Joey, what are you giving Rhinestone? Dude, I'm giving it a four. Uh, Solid four. movie, yeah. yeah that's great that's movie. solid. Two yeah. fours, okay. I'm yeah. bumping it up, man. I had it at a four. It's a fu- it's a four and a half. I almost put it at a five, but I was like, justifiably, I don't want to. Th- I don't throw fives around willy nilly. Yeah, you just need to you just need to rewatch it again and then see if it if it sticks to land. I mean, I will watch this at any given moment. It's just, like I said, it's just a movie you can throw on in the background and enjoy. It. You do not need to pay attention. Like it's just music, Italian jokes, and Sylvester Stallone. In like uh, the most unhinged performance of his life, he is like Dennis it Hopper one of these in Blue Velvet. Like he's so completely chaotic and unpredictable. Yep, a surreal character. He's not the villain, but he's definitely a surreal character dropped in like a relatively normal universe. There's my first correlation between. I these know. Two I was movies. gonna say, bro, you you have so many correlations that just came out of nowhere. I uh, per- personally, I did. Um, I think that that Nick is gonna steal the show with, with the with the correlations. Uh, my my only takeaway is that um, both of these movies are kind of a, a very strange romance story that ends up working out in the end. Yeah. Even though it kind of makes zero sense how <laughs> it, how it even happened in the first place. That's fair. And they're both. Uh, both of the women are in bad situations that yeah, desperately are. need to be taken out of it. They do. And, uh, <laughs> and they, they kind of need saving. And uh, they just kind of cling on to the first lifeline there. Yeah. And then in this case, it was a cabbie. 
Yeah, so. and they're both, you know, not great guys, but they... Yeah. <laughs> they get the job done. But they done. get the job done, yeah. What are you talking about? Sylvester Stallone is a cab driver that shows up in a, in a blazer with a domino pin to it and yeah. a shirt that he refers to as dressing like a taxi. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I even dress like oh, a taxi. <laughs> what correlations do you see, Joey? I think we just covered my correlation. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't see anything, um, yeah, I feel like you're definitely gonna have some more. <laughs> so, my main thing is that they're both so surreal in the sense of, like, this would never happen, however, it could and would be incredibly bizarre to happen. We kind of touched on it with Blue Velvet, like, the way that it's, it's very, it's nightmarish and surreal, and you're like, wow, this is, like, the most dramatic it could possibly be in this situation, and then you go into the apartment and you see the guy standing and he's yeah. dead. And you're like, well, that's odd. But you're at that point, you've been so convinced that the movie's real that you're like, yeah, okay, I'm sure that this this works in this universe. This is still not a fantasy to me. And in <laughs> Rhinestone, you are given a very normal story of a girl that just wants to get out of her contract and she has a shitty boss or a shitty manager Who's like, I'll let you I'll let you out, but you have to do it under my terms. And you're like, alright, this is like set up for the most normal hijinks that could happen in a movie like this. And then bam, chaotic character, Sylvester Stallone shows up and takes you on this they both embark on this journey that is so out of the realm of possibility, but there's something about it that it's like there's no other place they could go. There's no other way this story could go. Like this is so strange and not real. I feel like I'm watching a movie that isn't real. Like mm-hmm. it, 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 it's like when I describe this movie, I feel like I did when I was a kid, and I would try to, or like a movie that I would try to describe that I saw as a kid. Be like, no, don't you remember? It had Sylvester Stallone, and it had Dolly Parton, and they're like country singers, and like they go to like the 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 the, the sticks to like practice, like, and everyone's looking at you like, what? the hell are you talking about yeah, like that's, that's not real it's like yeah, no it is it, it is, is real it's a very real movie that i just described but like yeah. it's it feels fake so i i think that I both that both yeah. movies balance their 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 surrealism mm-hmm. by keep by making putting you in a universe it's like this could happen in this universe this universe is ultimately fake but i'm convinced the way that the story is being told i'm convinced that this for the sake of the story this is real and this is really happening there's nothing really fantastical about it and yeah i do genuinely think that the chaos character of blue velvet is obviously frank and then the chaos character of of rhinestone is sylvester stallone both are just very loud abrasive forces and in all and a mostly quiet cast of people that are just kind of like singing bluegrass and country and he's screaming old mcdonald had a farm which i'm telling you if dennis if, if frank had hit the gas mask just right that absolutely would have been a scene in the movie. It's just him like beating the shit out of out of Jeffrey singing Old MacDonald How to Farm. That one hundred percent could have been a thing that happened. Yep. I believe. So that's where I'm at. Those are my correlations. Dude, I can't yeah. believe that I was able to find anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was good. I mean, honestly, by the time I, I finished both movies, I was like, that's strange. And then you started sharing your thoughts on them and I was like, that is There is more a than big that. yeah correlation there yeah they're very very similar um in a way that you'd never anticipate so i'm thankful for the pairing dude i got yeah, you same. i got you great week hell yeah well all right what do we got going on next week it's your turn matt I don't know if we need to... <laughs> I don't it's know on your notes app isn't it? it yeah <laughs> um 
Matt left his phone at home. We can do a mystery. <laughs> a mystery? Come on! I don't know what to do. You don't have Joey, you don't have do any on the it? list you memorized. I can. Yeah. We can we can swap. Joe Joey can do next week. All right, all right. Let me, let me just look at my list real quick. Is that gonna stop the recording? No, it says it's still recording. Okay. I, um, I actually, I can look it up on Letterboxd. I know what movie. I, all right, I know it's going to be There Will Be Blood. Yo! And I just need to look at my Even profile. Said. What the fuck? There Will Be Blood and Meek's Cutoff, a Kelly Reichard movie. Um, I love this movie. We, I watched it for the first time last year, and I think there's a, I think y'all are going to really like it. Cool. Sweet. Oh, hell yeah. I'm excited then. Yeah. Yeah. Lo- oh, I love There Will Be Blood, too. I haven't that seen it in so long. Favorite. I'm so excited. Yeah. I steal yeah. your milkshake. I steal your milkshake? Is that what you just is, said? Isn't that what he says? Nope. I drink your milkshake. God damn it, Matt. I'm cutting that whole bit. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if the people heard you say that, that, we'd be discredited forever. I steal your milkshake. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Matt, where can people find us on Letterboxd? On Letterboxd, we're under Shot and Chaser Pod. That's right. You can also find us on Instagram at the Shot and the Chaser Podcast or at the Shot and the Chaser Pod. You can also find us on Cringe Twitter at the Shot and the Chaser Podcast or at Shot Chaser Pod 22. Let's see what Matt has been up to. Come hang out with me. Big day for annoying people, me, and it's the nominations uh, being announced on January 23rd. We will be insufferable that day. Um, Yeah. Hey, oh, I tweeted this actually. The, hey gang, we're off this week for last week. Yes, which, yeah, thank you for doing that. I literally saw and then liked it and I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) You liked your own tweet? God damn it, Matt. (laughs) No, I took care of it. Just a lot of retweets. Where's that original content from Matt that we've come to love? It's just not there. Yeah, it's been some crazy past weeks, I feel like. Busy. That's very true. We have been exhausted. We'll see if it comes back, just like the soundboard. Maybe it it was just a... (laughs) There was just a phase. There was just a phase of the show. It was a bit, and we're we're done with the bit now. (laughs) There is no more soundboard. There is no more audio. There is no... (laughs) Only a void. The next episode is 90 minutes of just total silence. And that's our full review. (laughs) Yeah, oh God. That would be scary. Um, Love it. But until next week, I'm Nick. I'm Matt. And I'm Joey. Hell yeah. Thank you guys so much and have a good night. Peace. Thanks for joining us.